Hello and welcome to episode 784 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, February 24th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. It's TGFBI Day. Boom! It starts in about an hour, right? 30 Less minutes? Half, half an hour, yeah. Yeah, 30 minutes. Uh, one, 1 Eastern, 12 Central. So, yeah, it's about 11.30 right now. Uh, Central time, can't wait. I'm picking 11. Where are you at again? Uh, I'm picking 9th. Okay, so we're similar. So we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be hanging out around that general range there. I am. Uh, I think we're right in our same same scenario that we were with our labor drafts, where we're kind of letting that first round come to us and seeing if it's hitter or pitcher that's going to be available first. Yeah, I can't imagine for me at nine there's going to be a pitcher there that I'm willing to take. I'm toying with the idea of taking Walker Bueller. Just because I have a ton of shares of Lindor and Turner and Story mm-hmm. already, uh, and those would be typically the guy I, I would take at nine. Yeah. So, and with the starting pitcher injuries we've had, you know, Severino kind of being a huge question mark right now, and Clevenger getting hurt, I just don't know at like twenty-two who's going to be left. Sure, especially so, yeah, if it's not somebody that you're particularly. Uh, comfortable with too, so mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we'll see how that goes. I think that that Bueller is incredible, and I'm really eager to see what he does for a follow up after the brilliant season last year. And do they turn him uh, loose for the uh, for the 200 plus? Mm-hmm. Which I think they can. Um, I think we talked about it when we did the SP part part one, and saying, hey, when they've got their horse, they've got their Kershaw. They're not afraid to let those guys go. And so I think Bueller is that guy now, and they will let him go. So we'll see about that. We'll obviously check in during the week, see where we're at on Wednesday when we do the the SP portion there. And uh, hopefully it's me, you, and Nick talking part three of pictures. Now, you are dealing with a sick child. Mm-hmm. So in the interest of being smart here and making sure that you're at the ready, we're just going to do 20 more pitchers here. So we're, we're probably going to end up on a part on four parts with the starting pitchers. But that'll on, honestly be better for y'all because it'll give us more time to really dive in on the middle and back tiers, which is where you really want to get good information. So um, we're going to do about 20 today. I think actually it's 21. I threw Mike Miner in there at the end. No cute little headlines for everybody, just little five packs here. And uh, then we'll dive in on them. So let's do that right now and start with Zach Wheeler. Jesus Lazardo, Frankie Montas, Lance Lynn, and Madison Bumgarner. Or should I say Mason Sanders? <laughs> did you see the Rotoware shirt? Oh, I didn't. I'm not even surprised <laughs> that they have one out yet. That's, it, that's I mean, it was, it was moments after. It, it's like it's uh, me riding like uh, uh, a horse in the uh, Toy Story style. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I'm already gonna go look for it. Yeah, it's, but anyway, um, it's pretty ingenious. These guys are are the 21st uh, through 25th starters. Uh, Wheeler starts at a 111 ADP, and again, we're following the online Rotowire Online Championship ADP here, and started on February 1st. If you want to follow along, so that's Zach Wheeler at 111, Lazardo at 116, Montas at 120, Lynn at 124, and then Bumgarner Sanders at uh, 127. So, who's your favorite from that five pack? I think it's Lance Lynn, um, okay. and. Yeah. I don't know. I, I should have my ranks up while, while I talk about this because I just finished updating them. 
uh, and they'll go up tomorrow at some point, so probably before most people are awake, because uh, I tend to post at like 4 o'clock in the morning my time. Uh, I have Lance Lynn 25th, and he is the highest of this group. Uh, the next would be Frankie Montas at 31. So it's it's a nice little gap. And I just feel like uh, Lynn has been excellent for about a season and a half. And I don't know why he's not getting the credit for the uh, adjustments that he made. Because there, there were obvious adjustments he made uh, mechanically um, and pitch mix wise. And I feel like he <laughs> this is who he is now. Uh, mm-hmm. And even if he takes a slight step back, like that's still pretty darn good. It really so. is. I mean, th- there's a lot to like. And I tell you what, too, with Lance Lynn, the the surge the, or the resurgence, really. I've always been I've always been a Lance Lynn fan. I liked him in C- St. Louis. He was always uh, a nice workhorse. But his resurgence started with New York. Even though the mm-hmm. 414 ERA might not tell you as much, especially the 133 WHIP. His skills really started to transform when he got traded from Minnesota to the Yankees at the end of 18 through 54 solid innings with them. The luck didn't really go in his favor, so he had a 414 ERA, but a 217 FIP. And then he carried it over last year and pitched really, really well quietly. I think uh, he and Miner, the two Texas guys there, went a little bit unheralded for what they were able to do. And I I have to credit, I I would imagine this is one spot where – the catcher and, and and even like catcher ERA is something that I'm going to put some weight into because Jeff Mathis is only in baseball because of his excellence behind mm-hmm. the ditch. There, he I would have no business if he wasn't a proven, tried and true, excellent catcher. And he caught 23 of Lynn's 30 games. So I hope he's caddying with him again this year. Although I'd be interesting to see what he could do with Kluber because uh, he's really only going to play maybe twice a week, but definitely uh, that one time. And it looks like Lynn is who he's often going to be with. And Lynn had a 350 ERA with him in those 23 starts. So Mathis is still going to be there this year. They brought Torino's back, but Mathis is going to, uh, you know, at least I would assume stick with uh, Lynn and that's going to make him good. The strikeouts are there. We've talked about Globe Life probably playing a little bit more neutral with the closed roof. It's not going to be some. It's not going to be Saint San Francisco Part Two. I don't want to overstate it, mm-hmm. but it's also not going to be the the hitter's haven that Globe Life Outdoors in July is because it's not going to be 112 degrees with jet streams. So I'm excited about Lance Land. I think it's a good call out, and he's your favorite of the five, right? Yeah, easily. I think. Montas is still my favorite of the five, uh, but I like Lynn right there too. Montas, obviously, we saw what he did last year in a small sample. He was cut short by his uh, PED suspension, so self-inflicted. But I don't. I've I've never been one that's like, okay, well, they get suspended for PEDs. Now they're going to go to being terrible players. Like the the first off, I would question how much even went into, you know, how much of the PEDs played into his performance because it's not like he added a ton of velo. He was already a hard thrower. I don't think that there's PEDs that make you command the ball better or that uh, that lower your walk rate. So I'm not particularly concerned about everything that uh, that Montas dealt with. He came back from the PED suspension and had got one start, pitched brilliantly, looked exactly like he had uh, for the uh, for the 15 starts before that. I think he's due for a big year. I like the development of the splitter to go with the four-seamer and his breaking ball, and I think we're going to see a huge year from Frankie Montas in Oakland. Yeah, I completely agree, Uh, and I think he's one of those guys that when he has his first uh, spring training start could like shoot rapidly up boards or fall down them. 
uh, depending on what kind of outing he has, uh, mm-hmm. because he missed so much time and people are kind of skeptical that we just we never saw the regression that was supposed to come. Obviously, he's not going to have a 263 ERA, but I definitely think he's a guy that's going to get a strikeout in inning uh, and probably be like a mid threes ERA guy. So that, like he has all the stuff to do. Yeah. So one of the big uh, jumpers this year and, and who could also jump up when he gets his first spring start is his teammate, Jesus Lazardo. And the love is rich and high for Lazardo. How do you feel about Lazardo? They've decided not to anchor in on a number with both him and Puck, which I think is the right move. They've got a number in mind, make no mistake, mm-hmm. but they don't want to they don't want to box themselves in, which I think makes a lot of sense. Like why why lock down a number and that way you're 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 living off of that all year. But he'll probably throw, I would think, somewhere between the the 125 and 150 inning range, depending on how things go. But how do you feel about Jesus Lazardo? And is that a big enough potential innings count to go this high? I think it is only because there's going to be replacement value and it's just going to be a matter of uh, you're going to have to find that replacement value when he either gets sent down to the minors or uh, has a random uh, IL stint. Uh, so I, I'm probably going to be less likely to take him in like NFBC where it's hard to roster those kind of guys that might be up and down or get those phantom IL stints. Cause you don't have an IL to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in my regular leagues, I'm, I'm all about it. I just think the ceiling is so high. Like he has the ACE potential. Uh, and I know on yesterday's podcast, uh, Matt Thompson and, and Jason, uh, were very, very anti Lazardo and puck. Uh, I, I'm, why did you keep I'm, talking to them? Yeah, no, I I was <laughs> I should have ended the podcast there, but we were only like 15 minutes in, so uh, we could have filled felt, we could have filled that in. You and I could have jumped on and filled the back end there because that's I could have just done impressions. Uh, that would have been know. even better. Yeah, yeah, how dare they? How dare they? Oh, Matt Thompson from Prospects Live. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jason Collette. I'm injured right now. I've gotten 12 surgeries, and I love the Tampa Bay Rays. And you're traveling, right, Jason? I'm definitely traveling. I'm not. In, I'm in a hotel right now. And did I tell you what this Rays prospect has done? Oh, broke my shoulder. Shit. <laughs> Pretty good imitation. I you think, did not know I if think, that was Jason yeah. or if it was me. No. It was me, by the way. Oh, wow. I thought Jason jumped on the podcast. Boom. See, we had it done. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so they have trepidation about the innings or the skill? Yeah, I think it's the innings. It's, I don't think anybody is concerned necessarily about the skill. I think they're okay. more concerned about how many innings they're going to get. And I, I understand it because there is some rotation depth to this team. Uh, I mean, they've already got Chris Bassett more than likely pitching at a long relief if Puck does make the rotation mm-hmm. uh, out of camp. And, I mean, I guess they've got... You know, guys like James Caprellian and Grant Holmes and Paul Blackburn, uh, you know, some former top yeah, prospects. Is, those are backups if things go I, south. I and yeah, and so I, I, I think the fact, I agree with you that they've got a number in mind, whether it's 130 or 140 or 150, the A's do, in terms of where they're going to cap their innings. And if you're playing in a quality start league, you may want to avoid them because sure. they could get pulled a little bit uh, quicker. Uh, just to kind of preserve those innings uh, for the pro- postseason. And this is a team that uh, feels like they should be in the postseason this year. Uh, that being said, I think the quality of work you're going to get from both of them uh, is well worth the risk. And uh, and like, like I said, especially if you're playing in a shallower format, 10 teams, 12 teams, it's going to be replacement value out there that you can kind of you know fill in for them. And that's a good call out, too. It, it, it is tied 
to these guys like Lazardo and, and Puck and other young players, Julio Urias, the guy we'll get into, mm-hmm. because it's their roster spot, right? That you know, it's it's a weird thing to tie to them because it's the replacement player, uh, somebody random, um, who isn't directly related to them, but you're using their roster spot. And so if they do miss time, whether it's Phantom IL, real IL, or minor league stint or push to the bullpen, you can then put in a starter there and you're still likely going to manufacture 175 plus innings out of that roster spot you're getting the foundation of 140 strong ones with these guys if you like them as you and i like lazardo and then you're piling on from there um with bumgarner going to arizona obviously he's leaving the confines of san francisco which is a great pitcher's park Arizona's turned out pretty nicely, though. Our boy Derek Cardi talked about the humidor when it first came out. He ran his numbers. Everything looked uh, pretty strong for him. He said it was going to have a high impact. I remember there was some pushback. Turns out he's been he's been right on that. It has been a nice pitcher's park. It's again not hashtag to the degree of science. Hashtag science, and it's not to the degree of San Francisco, but it's not like he's going to a hitter's haven either. How do you feel about Bumgarner? staying in division, moving over to Arizona in year one with them. I don't necessarily have an issue of him moving to Arizona. I, you know, I mean, he's getting older. The skills have declined. Uh, he's not going to have, you know, his, you know, buddy Buster Posey catching for him. Mm-hmm. I just, I just kind of downgraded him a little bit. Like I, I didn't put him like in my not going to draft kind of tier, but uh, probably where he's co- considering where he's going and where I have him ranked, I'm not going to have any shares. And I'm okay with that. I just don't think that he is that special of a talent anymore that uh, I need to kind of have fear of missing out. Yeah, I kind of made my my play with Bumgarner last year when everyone was really off on him and, and I, I, I stuck with him and you know felt like I benefited in, in the couple leagues where I had him. I don't know that I'm necessarily doing that uh, again this year. I don't really feel the urge I, I don't feel like the market has said he's going to collapse uh, and and i don't want to overstate it. they didn't say he was going to collapse last year but a lot of people were really running away from mm-hmm. Bumgarner because they just didn't buy in was, that yeah. he was that he was still going to be a strong pitcher yeah you were you were among them i think he'll be solid with them and if i find myself in a scenario where his pick comes up and i have a little bit of risk you know i've got a um i don't know what 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 would be a start there of like um uh, kershaw Montas and Glass now or something, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. some high upside, but some scariness with the innings counts. Then maybe I would take a Bumgarner just because I feel like I'm going to get at least 180 strong innings, and he could stabilize, particularly the risk of a Montas and Glass now. But again, I'm not seeking him out. I've got him ranked 37th. This is um, 32, or no, no, excuse me, he's 35. So I'm I'm right in line with the market. Where do you uh, where do you have Bumgarner ranked? Um, my most recent rank, I have him fortieth. Okay, so you're you're not too far from market, but you're probably going to bypass him. Generally speaking, is what you're saying. Yeah, my guess is I'm probably about ten picks below market, which probably has me out on him. Okay. Uh, I I mean I have him kind of in a tier of guys that are older and some that are moving spots. Uh, you know, I have him with Kent Maeda, uh, Ryu, Hendricks. Um, Kluber, uh, and then I dropped Severino down there as well. So uh, it's kind of a, a weird tier of, of guys. Some guys I'm going to get shares of, Minor and Maeda, or I have way above market value. Uh, so I'm sure I'll get 
shares of them, but probably not going to get a ton of shares of, of a guy like uh, Bumgarner or Severino at this point. Yeah, that's that's fair. And uh, Severino, I'm definitely not drafting right now. I'm super uh, let's, bummed about that, by the way. That really sucks. It, it really, really does. I, I was really excited to see him come out. And and Severino was one of those guys. I think you talked about this with uh, Frankie Montas. First spring start, if Severino was out there throwing BBs and just looking sharp, mm-hmm. his price was going to soar. And, of course, it went completely yep. the other way here with injury. And so it's a total layoff for me. I'm just not going to do it. Um, since we didn't even mention Zach Wheeler, we might as well give a little token mention like Bumgarner. He stays in division. He goes from the Mets to the Phillies. Um, neutral at best move. I think if not, maybe a little bit of a downgrade there just because I don't think their bullpen is definitely is nearly not as good It's not nearly as good. I should say. And the defense is probably a little better. Then the it's Mets probably defense. about the same, but yeah, overall about the same. So again, we'll call it a neutral move just since we're kind of hemming in on here. Um, but I don't know. Like he's one of these guys that I, I, I do like, I was excited about in 18 and, and, and even last year, 19 with Wheeler, but I don't find myself really kind of zeroing in on, on Wheeler when his price comes up. How do you feel about uh, Zach Wheeler year one with Philly? I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I should probably look this up. But I feel like Real Muta is a better catcher than <laughs> he's been kind of handling with before. Well, then like so. Ramos and, and company. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's, that's fair. Uh, so, I mean, ju- like I said, just by the eye test, I haven't looked at any metrics or anything like that. Uh, so, obviously, it's a worse park. Uh, you know, it's the Mets' uh, home park is uh, very nice pitch in Philadelphia, not so much. Uh, defense is about the same, so maybe the walk rate comes well, probably stays the same because it did come down last year and the uh, the home run rate goes up. So we're probably looking at a guy that, yeah, it's it's probably I think I think you're probably looking at you know, same kind of value as last year with obviously some ceiling because I mean, there's obviously talent there. Uh, we've we've seen flashes of it before, uh, you know, in 2014. <laughs> well, and also in and well, 2018. Yeah, in 2018. So, like, and... I can see 2018 happening uh, you know, pretty easily. Uh, I do worry about the home runs in Philadelphia, but, uh, you know, maybe Real Mutu is a better game caller as well. So uh, that, that could help things out. So I'm probably going to get a couple shares just to have some exposure, but definitely not a guy I'm targeting. Sure, and that and that, that's exactly what we're talking about. Now, back-to-back years, he's had brilliant second halves. Even last year, to get himself below a four ERA, he had a first half four sixty-nine in one hundred nineteen innings, not so nice. But then a two eighty-three in his last twelve starts, which of course was really really good for him, uh, including a, a one eighty-five in thirty-four innings down the stretch in September for Zach Wheeler. So he's got those those flame out months uh, over a five ERA in April and July, but then he can get really dialed in and look really sharp. So you know, again. I'm kind of torn, and I think if the price, if 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 the draft pick comes up and he's the obvious guy, I won't be afraid of Wheeler. I'm not. I'm certainly not laying off of him. But whereas maybe I was zeroing in on him last year to take some picks, this year I'm not doing that. So that's the first five. Let's move on to our next group here. These guys are about 35 or 36 through 40. Uh, Bumgarner's teammate Zach Gallen, Max Fried, Shohei Otani, Denelson Lamette, and Eduardo Rodriguez. Now I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
Is is Otani? Is he gonna be able to be used as a hitter in NFBC this year or no? Yes. Okay. He's hitter and pitcher. So, so. that is influencing the price because he's not going to pitch mm-hmm. until May. It's hard to really divorce the two, though, because in most leagues now, you can use him as the hitter during the time that he's down from pitching. So you really do have to bake that into the into the price. Like You, you can't mm-hmm. really get away from, from considering that. So we are going to operate with that in mind when we get to him. But I want to talk about Gallon first. I remember uh, the last time we talked about Gallon, probably weeks ago, he was not slated to be a starter, according to Roster Resource, which is just Jason's, you know, that's his best guess. And he's trying to mm-hmm. read the tea leaves and figure things out. And because they had so many, like, veteran guys, he's like, well, I don't know, dude. Are they going to keep this Merrill Kelly guy in? He has now put Gallon in the fifth starters role, Kelly into the bullpen, which I think is the right move. But Gallen's since been a- then, Arizona's come out and says Gallon's spot isn't he's guaranteed. He's competing, I, I which I don't that believe. That's- I, I don't either. I think that that's don't let the young guy get too comfortable. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's that's like I'm OK with that just in terms of that's all right. Let's make him earn it, you know, because he, he in the broad scope of, you know, what we talk about with sample sizes and stuff. We're still talking about 80 major league innings mm-hmm. uh, for Zach Gallon. And I like him as much as the, the next guy. He's been kind of a, uh, um, you know. The wide awake sleeper, as I like to call them, the guys that people want to put on their sleeper list, but they're they're fooling themselves that they think he's anything of a sleeper. And there are there are some issues there. I don't think it's just locked and loaded that he's going to be an ace. He still had an 11 percent walk rate last year. Um, is he going to maintain a 211 batting average? I don't know. 84% left on base rate. You know, there are some question marks about Zach Gallon. Now, again. I'm in. I think we're getting 160 plus strong innings with over strikeout per inning. I like the depth of Arsenal. I think a full season with Arizona is going to be really nice for him. I I expect him to be a big part of their high quality team, but not without question marks. So he's going around pick 129. So you're paying full price here. You're not really getting any sort. That's why he's not anything close to a sleeper. What is your realistic expectation? Let's assume he wins the spot because neither you nor I really think he's going to lose out on that spot. So what do you have Zach Gallon doing for a full season in 2020? Uh, I think we're looking at like a guy that is like a 3-7 ERA, a 123-124 whip, a 27.5-28% K rate. So that's about the projections. Like that's yeah. a right around zips, ATC, uh, lower than steamer. The bat is really cautious. Uh, 436, mm-hmm. 130 ERA whip combo from Derek. Looks uh, like I'll be getting system. a share of Towers. And so, uh, you know, that, that even your numbers are going to disappoint some folks who are really, really, really keen on mm-hmm. Gallon. And yet, I think that that's kind of where you need to anchor and then hope for some upside from there. If and you're that, expecting exactly low right. threes, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I, I was just agreeing with you. I think that's exactly right. I think that's what you project, and anything on top of it is gravy. Like, we're, Bingo. I think the idea that people start putting pushing him up into the top 25 pitchers uh, is setting yourself up for disappointment and failure. So, I couldn't agree yeah. more. Yeah, so you have to be careful with that with Zach Gallen, and don't get too crazy with what you pay. Uh, if you want to jump him a little bit from this, if he's your guy, 
okay. Like, because I can't sit here and tell you that that Montas and, and Lazardo and even Wheeler and Bumgarner have much better projections than him. They've got more stability in, in terms of what they've, well, not Lazardo and Montas, but Bumgarner and Wheeler do. But he's right there with Lazardo and Montas as far as a, a lack of track record. So if you want to take Gallon a little bit higher, okay. But if you start getting into the, the you know, 110 or higher with him, I think you're putting a lot of burden on Zach Gallon, and you could wind up quite disappointed by season's end. So just be careful there. Uh, I want to talk about the next guy, Max Fried, somebody that I'm really big on. In my initial ranks, I had him 25th. Uh, he's going to trickle down a little bit as I've done some maneuvering, but I'm not running away from that. I'm, I'm still a huge fan. I love the development of that slider last year. The one thing that I'm really keying in on, the, the only way he can really have the breakout that I'm hoping for is to start allowing fewer hits because right now uh, his BABIPs have been consistently high. You can't just look at it and say, well, he had a 336 BABIP. It's going to come down. His career is 333. So there's some hit ability there that Freed needs to improve upon. And I like a lot of the development that we saw last year in a full season of work, 30 starts and a few relief appearances, 25% strikeout rate, 7% walks, one one homer per nine is not crazy. I can I can live with that. But that three thirty six BABIP is what kept the WHIP very high at one thirty three. Can't have that if I'm taking him at this price. And so I'm expecting both the defense to help him and and Freed himself to to help out by uh, continuing to further develop that slider with his curveball and fastball and make sure that uh, that he's allowing fewer hits. So I'm expecting something closer. Actually, into the uh, Zach Gallon projections that you're talking about, something in like the three six slash one twenty range with the ERA and WHIP, strikeout per inning right around twenty five twenty six percent. So I'm pretty big on Max Fried. How do you feel about the uh, the twenty six year old Braves lefty? I go back and forth. I I've, I raised him up in my ranks uh, during uh, or after our last talk. Uh, put him up at 33. I, I feel like that might be high now. <laughs> I need to <laughs> drop him back down uh, just a few spots, maybe like 35, 36. Uh, you know, th- there are times where I look at his profile and then I watch him pitch where I go, oh man, I think this guy has another step in him. And then there are times where I go, ooh, I think there's some regression coming. And losing Josh Donaldson on the hot corner definitely uh, doesn't help the defensive situation there. So. True. <laughs> I'm I'm probably going to avoid him unless he drops in a draft just so I can kind of uh, avoid the uh, potential blowups. But uh, I think there are lots of reasons to be very uh, intrigued and uh, in on him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, no one has to pay the price that I've got him at. You know, I said I had him ranked 25th. Like I said, dip down a few spots there. I think he'll still be within my top 30 or just outside of it, he's going as about the 36th, 37th starter off the board, depending with a 132 ADP ranging from 106 to 174. So if, obviously if you start catching Max Fried at that lower end, you're really getting a nice price there. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm interested. Johan Camargo, hopefully he can at least deliver defense um, and make up for Donaldson not being there because I know he's not going to match Donaldson's offense, which will be a a hole in their lineup. But they did get Marcelo Zuna, and so they still have a solid lineup. It's just not great. So, all right, so let's get into Otani now. And again, just a disclaimer, this includes hitting. So if you do play in a league where you can't utilize him as a utility when he's not pitching, 
Um, he's going to be much cheaper if you're doing the separate cost type of deal and all that uh, with Otani. So we do know off rip that he's not going to be pitching until May, which, uh, again, I, I really started to hear some MLB network analysts really talking like that without concrete news. And I was like, ooh, this is intriguing. They're just kind of acting like this is a known thing. And then news finally came out that, uh, that you know, they're going to take their time. And they have a rule where he can – Hit for them, and then go do a rehab start. You know they can play. He can play a day game in Anaheim, and then jump over to Rancho Cucamonga and pitch. You know three innings for them that evening uh, mm-hmm. in the minor leagues. So that is very helpful to us in the fantasy realm. I love that. And by the way, even if something went wrong, where he they just said, you know what, we're going to scrap pitching altogether this year. He'd be a brilliant hitter for you all year. So you mm-hmm. really. Like I have no problems taking Otani here, even if the pitching didn't come through. But he's picked 133 on average with a range of 98 to 213. First off, where do you think his ADP settles, and how interested are you in an, in a dual force Otani? I don't think his ADP is going to change a ton. Do you think there'll be s- still some leagues where he goes that light, or will he live in a tighter range but still have the same ADP? <sighs> I think he may live in a tighter range, but still have kind of the same ADP. And I, I'm okay with it. Like I, like, I think he showed offensively that he is worth kind of this area for sure uh, of pick. And in spite of the fact that the argument that we had about whether or not he should be uh, pitcher eligible, um, I think that the fact that you can, you know, you know potentially use him as a pitcher later on in the season uh, definitely has some some value. Uh, even in weekly leagues or NFBC leagues where, where you can only switch out weekly for pitchers. So I'll probably have some shares. Uh, I do want to caution people going back to that argument we had. Make sure you know what your site is playing. Because Always. like fan tracks, I believe he has to earn pitcher eligibility. So if he's not pitching until May, even if it's mid-May, he's not going to gain pitcher eligibility Potentially till like mid June, which definitely yeah. hurts his value. And if you're looking for that dual eligible player, uh, so that being said, I think I'm gonna have a few shares. Man, he is yoked. He's so good, <laughs> yeah, dude. That 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 picture that was flowing around of him, his arms are insane. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just he's incredible. He really is. He's lived up. I think he's lived up to the hype uh, that he had when he when he was coming over. Otani has we and we haven't even seen him pitch that much. That's just how impressed I am with his ability to hit. It's only been fifty one and two thirds innings, but they've been really good. We're gonna get a chance to see him on the mound. I wonder. Let's just uh, let's throw out what they're doing. If Justin Mason was in charge. Mm-hmm. Would you do it this way, working him back to be a starter? No. Or or would you give him some potential as a reliever, or would you scrap pitching altogether? How would you approach Otani if, if you were in charge of the ball club? I would probably make him the closer. <laughs> yep. Or at least uh-huh. a reliever. Like, it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be closer. Even a Josh Hader. Well, I know Hader's a closer now, but you guys know what I mean when I say that. The, the, the fireman two-inning role. Mm-hmm. That might even be the best idea, I think. I mean, look at their bullpen. It's not like their bullpen is super strong. And, you know, for Otani specifically, lefty would be... Or no, he throws righty. Never mind. He's righty, yeah. He bats lefty. Sorry, 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 Mm -hmm. sorry. But, um, yeah, their bullpen is not that great. There are some intriguing pieces outside of Robles, like a Keenan Middleton returning from injury, Bedrosian here and there, but they only have one lefty, somebody named Jose Quijada. 
I do not know who that is. I, I, I vaguely remember the name. I knew he was from Miami, but that's your number one lefty. Um, they need more lefties in that bullpen. And frankly, they need more trustable righties because mm-hmm. I just don't know about this bullpen. So if you had Otani at the back end and we're allowing him to hit, you know, six, six, seven days a week, I think that'd be a more dynamic player. Yeah, I, I agree. But I mean, they're obviously going to give him a chance to start. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how that works out. I just hope he doesn't have another injury. That, that would be the worst thing, uh, and probably could end his career as a pitcher because he is would. so valuable as a hit, hitter so far that why wouldn't you just let him hit if that's going to be the case? Yeah. You've got a five win player as an everyday hitter, like, and mm-hmm. that's, that's DHing because if they did scrap it, like, let's say something did happen where they, you know what, just curb it. We're done with the hitting. Then he goes into the field. And, mm-hmm. and flexes his arm in right field, and I mean that's just next level there too. So, and from a fantasy perspective, he could run more. Exactly, exactly. And then you're talking like forty twenty type of deal. Like I mean, the, the, we're, it would we're be... talking about the what keeps him actually down in the ADP is the fact that he does both. Mm-hmm. Like he would probably be a second round pick if he was just hitting this year. I agree. I know, I know I'd be open to taking him. Even yeah. as UT only, it'd be like the Alvarez thing, Whereas, except unlike Alvarez, I would be, again, in this utopia that we're talking about where he's hitter only, where we would be knowing that he's going to get outfield. We don't even know if mm-hmm. Alvarez is going to get in-season outfield. He, he won't. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it would take he, like an injury. Yeah, he, you know, well, I mean, they even they already have got – I mean, Kyle Tucker that's doesn't true. have a spot. They've, they, <laughs> they've always got coverage there in Houston. So that's a good call out. Uh, but we like Otani. We're going to get some shares um, and kind of you know go with this hybrid thing here. The talent is just too rich, and you're protected even if the pitching flops. Outside of an injury that takes them off the field completely, you're pretty well protected by the hitting yeah, you'd, you'd have to figure out the pitching if you're planning for, you know, 110 innings of high-quality work from him. You'd have to figure that out, but that's fine. You're going to have to figure out a pitcher somewhere on your team anyway. Whatever team you draft with, somebody's going to flop, if not multiple guys. So you're you're. it's really not that big of a deal. So I love Otani, um, and, we, and we're in on him. Let's move on to Denelson Lamette, a guy we have had some discussions about who I'm not as keen on, and yet the market really does seem to like him. This guy is another one who's quickly becoming that wide awake sleeper. If I have to hear that he's a sleeper one more time, uh, I swear <laughs> to God, like it. No, he's not. <laughs> Go look at the draft, uh, the, the draft market. People really like this guy. His strikeout potential unquestioned. I do mm-hmm. not dispute that at all. 187 in the third career innings, 31% strikeout rate, but he's a two pitch guy. I know he's allegedly working on a third. I home run issue 1.4 for his career. And I don't know. I just don't see anything better than I think the the upside right now as is, unless that third pitch develops, which I mean, I don't see, I I don't really see it. So I'm going to operate as a two pitch guy. I think the 407 ERA 126 whip that he had last year is about what I'm expecting. Maybe a low, maybe a high threes ERA. If he, if he keeps a few extra homers in or something like that, I love the strikeouts, but how's this guy not like a Robbie Ray type? I was just about to say, isn't he, uh, you know, I mean, isn't his ceiling Robbie Ray? I think that, that I, is, uh, yeah, I just, I, I can't, I can't buy in. And I mean, I, I've been a detractor from the get go. Nothing 
uh, I've seen from him is has changed my mind. Now, if he comes in with a third pitch that's actually usable, well, well yeah, we'll then yeah, then yeah. then I then I'm gonna be more interested. But I'm definitely not paying this price. I no, just, and that yeah, that's where I'm at. It's too like too much stuff can go wrong. And I mean, how many innings are we projecting him for? You know, I mean, he he threw what? Uh, well, I guess he threw about a, three. Well, and then, and then oh, some minus, of the minors as well. Minus. So almost 100 innings last year. So 150, I guess, is uh, attainable. And, and he's 27. I could see mm-hmm. I could see 160, 170. If, they, if everything's going well and he doesn't have any injury issues, I think Lamette could get pushed without incident. But, yeah, you're, you're, you're betting around that range. Now, the detractor or the, the, the counter to what we said about calling him um, – uh, Robbie, Robbie Ray. Ray is that they would point out his elite year, right? Well, then isn't his upside a 289 with a 115? I mean, I guess that's obviously insofar, the anomaly, though. Yeah, insofar as anybody can spike that big year, but what are you really planning for? Robbie Ray's a career 411, 135. I think you live in that range, plan for that, and uh, I just don't know how you can really. Assume, you know, really feel comfortable with being like, well, I could get a sub three area. I guess you could. You could feasibly get that from just about any regular who's out there if, if everything breaks right. But I just don't see it. And I, I think Lomet's a little bit overvalued. I'd go for other guys around this range. Uh, Bold prediction. Yeah, let's hear it. Lomet ends the year in the bullpen. Oh, didn't you have that bold prediction? Last year too, I feel like I you've, you've not, had this one before. But I, I've said this. I, I said okay, that you have said he this before. Should be in the bullpen, and I think he would be a dominant reliever uh, and a guy that could do serious work as a late inning guy uh, or a multi inning guy uh, in the bullpen. So I, th- I think that is his future. I think he's going to be a great reliever at some point. Uh, I just don't want him as a starter. Yeah, maybe you just said it earlier in the draft season, and I'm just. I'm thinking of it as last year because we, I mean, we started talking about 2020 all the way back in like November. Uh, so we've been, we've been having a nice long draft, uh, draft. Well, and I've been saying there. it for a few years now. So, okay. so yeah, that's <laughs> just been your general take is that, uh, Lamette's not going to last as a starter. I mean, obviously they're going to keep him going as long as they can, uh, because you know, that there's still MLB value, even mm-hmm. in, you know, 160 innings of a 420 and 130. Um, but, they're also starting to develop some of that pitching. And if some of these younger guys uh, jump up and our boy Garrett Richards stays healthy and all of a sudden there's some crowding, mm-hmm. maybe Lamette could lose out. I don't I don't project that for this year. I don't, I don't see the same thing, but I understand where you're coming from with that. And uh, I say just be careful. I, I think if you really like Lamette that much, you should just wait and get some of the Lamette clones who go later, including Robbie Ray, who we're going to talk about not even in – uh, oh yeah, he is in the next section. Never mind. But I was gonna say not even the next section, but the one after that. No, he's he is in the next one. But why not just wait and get him? But before we jump to that section, Eduardo Rodriguez, a guy who, if you if you didn't have him last year and you weren't really paying attention to Boston because they weren't that good, they just had like an okay season for them, uh, eighty four wins. You might have missed the fact that he put up a three eighty one, one thirty three. Okay, standard. That's what he does. But nineteen dubs. He had 19 wins with 213 strikeouts because he went 203 innings. So two different things there. Ton of wins, even though they didn't do that well uh, in Boston. And big innings count because he finally stayed healthy. The, the 381 and 133, though, are what 
I still mm-hmm. go back to is that this was like some alleged breakout season, and yet he still had whip issues and only a solid ERA. So I don't know. I'm still a little nervous because I'll tell you what, second half, 295 ERA, 131 whip. Tells me the ERA was a little bit fraudulent there, and I'm still nervous about Eduardo. The one thing I will say, at least the market isn't overpricing him. I think this is a fair price. How do you feel about the uh, 29-year-old lefty in Boston? Or 27, excuse me, 27-year-old for Eduardo Rodriguez. I downgraded him a little in my ranks just because of the injury news. So, uh, I mean, hurt, hurt his, hurt his knee again, uh, slipping during a bullpen. So like, that's a bit scary for me. So I've dropped him down to, I think 38. Uh, I, he's just a guy who hasn't been able to stay on the field. And last year was the first time, uh, in his career. I mean, really dating back to the minor leagues is what derailed him as a prospect, uh, staying on the mound. So, I have a hard time buying into the pro- the projected innings pitched for him. I think I think Zips probably is as close as I would expect, and that's 174. Uh, and they have him for 428 ERA. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm probably just going to stay away mm-hmm. uh, from him. I just the, the injury history. Uh, already dealing with something in spring training that has derailed seasons for him before. Uh, a guy that, like you said, the whip doesn't match what we see in the ERA. I, I think he's probably like a 1-3 whip guy, and that's who he is. You're going to get some strikeouts when he's on the mound, but there's a chance he's not on the mound a ton, and I don't know that I want my SP3 to be a guy that I have these kind of question marks about. Yeah, I, I, I got to echo all of that on Eduardo Rodriguez. And you mentioned uh, already slipped in the bullpen, um, you know, getting some knee soreness. And the lower half has been the issue. There's like a good and bad to that, right? The injuries that he's mm-hmm. had, he's had ha- have not been arm-related, but they've all been similar, which is the lower half. And so that's when it becomes kind of a chronic thing. So you're almost more worried about that than if it were bouncing around his body. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's that give and take of injuries where it's the same thing regularly that has me concerned. So and that I'm with you. Mechanical flaws. I mean, Bingo. obviously, this one isn't necessarily a mechanical flaw. If we buy what they're selling in terms of it was just slipping during a bullpen, mm-hmm. um, but we don't know exactly how he slipped. Did he slip like while he was in his motion, or did he just slip, you know, going down the stairs when he was exiting? Uh, so I actually heard I had inside source. Uh, ben Intendi was eating a banana. Mm. He's trying to get some potassium. He just carelessly throws his banana peels around, though. This is why his ADP is dropping. As it should, though. You can't have a uh, freaking litterer on your no. ball club, especially no. after last year's performance. He littered all over your fantasy team. So <laughs> that's what I heard. Um, I can't say it was dual source confirmed, just one source. And I know you really don't want to run with something until you have two sources. But I heard it was a Benintendi banana peel. That's what Eduardo slipped on. So be careful with that. Was it and Jason Collette? Was that your source? Can't say. Can't right. say. I'm not going to burn my sources, dude. Don't, uh, how dare you even ask me? That, that's you? fair. That's okay. fair. You're right. Journalistic integrity. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's next up. About here. 41 to 45. Uh, and this is rough, by the way, guys. Uh, if you go check the ADP, it could change, you know, within a given day. Uh, but we're 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 going roughly here about 41. You to know 45. where it's not going to change? Where? In my TGFBI draft that started 21 minutes ago, and it's still on the first overall pick. Oh, we're racing by y'all. We're on pick five. Get Merck. Oh. We're dominating. 
I already put it in my chat. I can't wait. Let's see how long it takes someone to complain about the slowness of a slow draft. <laughs> it won't take long. Let's be honest. Ooh, there goes the fifth pick, Mookie Betts. So we're we're pretty chalky right now. Trout Acuna, Yelich, Bellinger, Betts. I may and, not uh, have constructed my league very well in terms of not wanting to, or well, not wanting things in my draft to move slowly. But ooh, did you have the data? You could have figured out exactly who the quick drafters were, and uh, no, but I remember some of the slow drafters, and I've drafted okay. enough people in the industry to know True. some guys who are notoriously slow. Yeah, and I put two of them in my draft on purpose, uh, so that way I could nudge them along if need be. Ah, smart. So, but I mean, one of them is in England, so <laughs> that could be harder than. Uh, oh, is than, it, isn't uh, that weak ass uh, time zone excuse? Oh, you guys are drafting, and I'm asleep mm-hmm. at three in the morning. Well, get up and make your pick. Unbelievable. No, I'm just kidding. What is the time change there? Like, what time is it in England now? It is evening, right? Or it is. I believe it's like eight hours from me. So six okay. hours, or no, it's six hours from you. Okay. So, but, uh, yeah, or no, it's, yeah, it's, it's oh, six. Yeah. Right. It's six hours for me. It's six twenty-two p.m. right now in London. So there you go. Anyway, pick six on my league. Not even pick one in yours. We're roll- we're rolling by y'all. Let's go to pitchers one- forty-one through forty-five. Julio Urias, Hunjin Ryu. The aforementioned Robbie Ray, aka right-handed Denelson or left-handed Denelson Lament, Kyle Hendricks, and Matthew Boyd. Interesting eclectic group here. You got the the young up-and-comer in Urias. You got a veteran who's coming off a brilliant season, but has health concerns throughout in Ryu. You got uh, kind of the boring. We know what we're getting with Ray, and maybe even Boyd, although last year was his first good year. And then the guy that nobody trusts, the hot potato, despite oodles of quality innings in Kyle Hendricks. Like, what does he have to do to get love? Mm-hmm. Well, we know what he has to do. He has to have a higher velocity, but I mean, he just keeps pumping out numbers and nobody loves him. But let's start at the top with the young buck, Urias, who uh, is definitely, again, I, I've been using the phrase a lot here, but th- this is the range for the wide awake sleepers, the guys that everyone mm-hmm. wants to put on their sleeper list, but it's like, you're not fooling anybody, dude. Everyone's in on Julio Urias. I, myself included, by the way. I love this guy. I'm huge on him, but I'm not putting him on a sleeper list. I'm more inclined to put him on a breakout list, which has a slight difference, but the idea is that nobody's being uh, surprised by Urias. Uh, but rather, I think he does take that big jump this year, even if it's only 145, 150 innings. But I'm really excited about the 23-year-old lefty from the Dodgers. How do you feel about Julio Urias? I love Urias. I want shares. I have shares. Uh, I had a really hard time ranking him. Yeah. Where, where'd you end I, up, by the way? Yeah. I, I don't un, I don't know like what to project for him innings wise and what that means in terms of like how many innings in games he's going to get. Well, here's the Uh, tough part. It would be difficult if he were on say the Cardinals. I I just thinking of a random team. That's like mm -hmm. a quality team, but you put him on the Dodgers who are always inclined to kind of maneuver things and really tweak stacked like totally stacked in the rotation. And And it makes it that much more difficult. You know, and I, I'm not saying that the Dodgers w- or the Cardinals would like recklessly let him go, but they haven't been a team that's that's really gone back and forth. They say this guy has X amount of innings and he kind of gets to his innings count. But with the Dodgers, you know that they can mix and match and, mm-hmm. and they will do yeah, that. They and they'll put him in the bullpen and they'll put him on a phantom IL, although it's harder this year because pitcher IL is now 15 days again. 
But so that hopefully that said, helps. Us. They have a ton of depth to do that if they need to. Okay, so like I'll it, give you. A, let, let me anchor you on a number then, and you tell me where where you like Urias then. If I just give you a hundred and forty, I just say buck forty, sixty more innings than he had last year. What do you do with him, and what, what kind of numbers are you looking at? I think I'm. If if I knew I was getting 140 innings, I think I'm putting Locked him up down. by Lardo. Like I like I think I'm. I think he is. I have him one spot ahead of Lazardo. Yeah, I and I have him way lower than Lazardo. Uh, I have him 49th. Uh, oh, it's funny. Then, okay, so that's interesting. Where do you have Lazardo then? Because I have I have Urias 48, but I have Lazardo 49th. I have Lazardo 33rd. Okay. Uh, and that it's very difficult for me because I like I think they probably are virtually the same talent wise. I just feel much better about the A's letting at least letting Lazardo go when he's on the mound. Sure. So I mean, Urias didn't even have. I think after well from May on last year, I don't believe he had more than like three innings in a start or appearance. Like, yeah, they, they he, were really was, able to protect him. And I just worry that we're going to see too many four-inning outings from him. You're not going to get wins. That's a fair concern. And uh, and and then you're going to also, on top of it, have to deal with them sending him down or him, you know, the Phantom IL or... Uh, I just I think, you know, I think they'd at least bullpen him because he's too valuable of an arm to yeah. really park too much i think they want the young lefty on the ball club pitching so i think the innings manipulation is going to be shorter starts that you're talking about but then when he when they don't want him to start i think they would put urias in the bullpen at the very least so at least you're going to get you know three four innings a week it's still not great but you'll be getting something wood in this rotation i just don't get it i mean he's in this rotation until he gets hurt oh my God, like Ross Stripling, I just feel so bad for you. Me too. Like, Me too. Uh, he was probably buying tickets for Angels games, getting ready to let his family and friends come watch him there. He couldn't wait. And then all that crap happens. That uh, yeah. the deal falls through. Tickets to Disneyland, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, I c- couldn't couldn't wait to get there. You know, obviously didn't have to do much moving wise because he was going to be still in the in the general L.A. area, but. He was probably licking his chops to be part of that rotation and gets to play with Trout and Otani uh, and yeah. get to, you know, meet. And it's still a thrill, I think, for players to uh, be on Albert Pujols' team, even though he's not peak Albert Pujols. So, <laughs> you know, you got to be pretty good. He gets to see the Albert Pujols trophy, that man's first base every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, oh, you guys put that statue, the first on-field statue. That's really cool that you guys have done that. It's you really realistic. It looks way too realistic. But um, <laughs> that deal was so good for them with Stripling and Peterson, and then it falls through. And so, they gave them nothing. Like, they were giving up nothing. It deal. He oh. dude. It seemed like such a good deal. But uh, anyway, so the reason we bring up Stripling is he just further crowds things with Alex Wood and Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin. And that's what that and the youth of Urias um, and the Dodgers, you know, penchant for maneuvering things around are all factors in in 
likely limiting his innings. That's why I say I'd anchor on 140 and and kind of go from there. If I got anything more, that'd be great, but I'm definitely not planning for anything more. There's no way I could comfortably do that for uh, Julio Urias this year. Yep. All right. Well, then let's move on. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum, at least as far as like uh, age, and talk about his former teammate, Hunjin Ryu, who is now in Toronto coming off of an excellent 182 and two-third inning season where he led baseball with a 232 ERA, had a 1.00 whip on the button, actually 1.01 because uh, of rounding. Lowest walk rate in the league, 1.2 per nine, and just under a strikeout per inning. He was at, he was at eight, so 163 and 182 and two-thirds. You're not looking for strikeouts for him, so that's fine. You know what really surprised me is that he made MLB Network's top 10 pitchers right now because they look at a two-year sample, and even though he only threw 82 and a third the year before, it was with a 197 ERA and 1.01 whip. So if you add it all up, it's 265 innings at 221 and uh, 1.01 on the whip for Ryu. 33 years old, health has always been a factor. How many innings are you putting down for Ryu? Hmm, 150? You cannot project anything higher, right? No, like I want to for sure. Uh, but I think you got to be conservative and, and kind of go the 150 route. And then anything on top of it is gravy. Uh, that being said, like, I feel like he's still kind of a steal where he's going. Yep. Um, and you see him drop like really far in some drafts, too. Uh, people are really afraid of the turf. People are really afraid of the AL East in in, in Rogers Stadium and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not as concerned. I'm not I, either. I'm more I'm, concerned about the health than I am. That's all else. I'm really concerned about. I'm I, the talent is there. If you really look at Reeves' career, outside of I think it's one of his seasons, and it was um, not even a season. It was one start. It was it was the flop of of 16 when he was hurt. He threw one. Four and two thirds, he got murked. Who cares? Like it's it's nothing. So if you just look at the five seasons where he's actually pitched, you know, a tangible amount of innings, eighty-two or more, ranging from eighty-two to one ninety-two, he's never been bad. His worst effort was a three seventy-seven, one thirty-seven ERA whip combo, which is not great. I, I, I the ERA is solid, but the whip is bad. But even if I got that, that's not killing me. So if that's my downside right now, as far as rates when he's pitching for mm-hmm. Hunter Ryu, I'm fine with that. His career ERA is 298. Career WHIP is 116, with uh you know just about eight strikeouts per nine, uh you know around a 22, 23 percent rate. I am here for this. I'm gonna take Ryu, and I, there's gonna be drafts where he's gonna fall way too low. His his max is 199. His ADP oh. is 148. Yeah, um, <laughs> if, if if I'm in any drop any or any draft and he drops outside of like the top 170, I'm gonna be all aboard. Same, same. So we're in, and yeah, the East is difficult, and and Rogers Center is not the best park to pitch in. This guy's talented, though. I don't think he was made by the National League or by uh, Dodger Stadium, which is not you know the greatest park to pitch in. It's it's I think it is it leans pitcher friendly, but it's more neutral than anything else. So I'm with you. I think we both like Ryu. 
uh, innings is our only concern, but we'll take the discount that has been baked into uh, his price for sure. Let's talk about another lefty, Robbie Ray. We already briefly mentioned him with regards to Denelson Lamette. He is the cheaper Denelson Lamette, so why not just take him? He's the cheaper Trevor Bauer, so why not just take him? Uh, he has had a little bit of an innings thing where the, uh, where the Robbie Ray, Trevor Bauer comp has always diverged, and I've always said this even when I make that comp, is innings. He has a peak of 174 and a third, whereas Bauer, you feel pretty comfortable, is going to get 200 plus. But as far as the skills, I see them pretty similarly. One thing about Ray, though, that homer rate is inching up every year. 1.2, 1.3, 1.4, 1.5. It's it's adding a tick every year. Are you concerned that the ERA is going to carry upward as it's been up uh, since the 289 season? It's gone to 393 and 434. Is he going up, staying the same? Or is there a chance? Is there a realistic chance that Robbie Ray would bring that ERA down from 4.34? I think there's a realistic chance he could bring it down a, a tad bit. Uh, I mean, he gave up a ton of home runs last year. I mean, that's what Robbie Ray does. But even more so, I would I would expect some positive regression in the home run department, uh, and even potentially in the well, maybe not in the BABIP department. Uh, so I think he could like settle around like a four ERA guy and all those strikeouts and uh, that whip that hurts you. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I I mean, like, yeah, I think, like you said, left handed Lamette and but he's going later. So if you need those strikeouts uh, that I mean, I'd much rather have him. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Just just wait for the later pick there and take Robbie Ray instead of Nelson Lamette. Uh, Ray Lamette. Bauer, all those guys feel like good pairings with somebody like Mike Soroka, too. We, we've talked about mm-hmm. that recently. And and you can get these strikeout first guys that can really pair well with your ratios first guy of Soroka, who, you, who you're going to have to take earlier. Let's talk about Kyle Hendricks. Like I said, you know, obviously throws like 30 miles an hour on his fastball, but keeps getting it done, man. Another quality year last year, 177 innings, 346 ERA, 113 whip. Doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, kind of makes up for it a little bit with the innings, uh, but kind of lives in that seven and a half to eight range. So again, 22, 23% sort of deal for Kyle Hendricks. Is he somebody that you take? Uh, do, do you do you go against the market and say, I'm not worried about this uh, velo issue. He clearly has excellent command and control. I'll take a Kyle Hendricks. Where, where do you stand with him? Uh, I haven't been that guy in the past, but I'm coming around to it because I just think he's too good of a bargain at this point. When the price keeps lowering, by the way, each yeah. year that hot potato becomes hot. I mean, his com- his command plus numbers are like off the chart. <laughs> so I'm trying to find like I'm scrolling up from the compa- uh, or I'm I'm scrolling to try to find someone who's got better command plus numbers than him, uh, and I don't think there is anyone. He might be the top guy there, command command plus metric that Dino likes to use. And uh, Hendricks, I mean, he doesn't walk anybody, and oh, he keeps Tyler the hits. Tyler Molly, whoa, that's I did not expect that. No, that's really interesting. Okay, so, yeah, I'm that's kind of shook by him that. And I had Tyler Molly as a guy that I actually ranked in my top one twenty five, which I don't think. Uh, is something everybody did. So no, he's uh, the sixth guy there, but that there's room there's room to rank a, a six. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's oof, I didn't realize his command plus was that good. But we got uh, we've got Hendricks again. That that everyone feels like it's a ticking time bomb with this with this velo. I will point out though, 
his VLO has been lower than the 86.9 it's been each of the last two years. It was at 85.8 back in 2017 when he put up a 303 ERA and 119 whip. What is, what does a guy like this have to do? I mean, I guess at this point there's nothing he can do, right? Because if 966 innings of a 314 ERA and 111 whip isn't going to convince folks, then nothing will, right? For those that that are just out on him. Yeah, I, I think that's. I mean. At some point, you either are gonna like buy in because the price gets too cheap, or you're just not in at all. And yeah. I think that's. I mean, I, I've just gotten to a point where the the price is too cheap, and at some point, the results speak for themselves. Like we can look at all the metrics and and the velocity readings and uh and watch as much film as we want. And at some point, you just have to go. Like this guy keeps getting it done, and like I know he's get. Like I think people think because of the velocity, he's old. He's only 30. I agree. Like, I, I think agree people with that. think he's like 34, 35 because they go like, well, obviously with his velocity, he's got to be just tiring. He's not that old. So like, I don't think he's going to fall off the map here. Uh, no, we're, and We're in lockstep there. And, and I'm going to take some more shares. I had a couple shares last year and he bounced in and he balanced things out really nicely for me. And again, he's a ratios guy. You pair him with one of these strikeouts guys and you really start to put your, your piece puzzle pieces together and it works out nicely. You could even pair him with this next guy. We're actually going to wrap here. We were going to go through 50, but uh, as we mentioned at the outset, your baby is sick. And so she's starting to get up and we're going to have to uh, get her taken care of. So we'll finish with Matthew Boyd, big strikeouts, big home run issue. So he's a lot like Robbie Ray. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing I want to ask you, though, not only about his talent, but do you expect him to be traded at some point this year to a better situation? Because you, you can get a lot better than Detroit, let's be honest. I think there's a real chance. I mean, I know he's not a free agent till 2023, but they've that got arms. Value, that, though. Yeah, exactly. And they've got arms that are coming up that are going to be ready. Mm-hmm. And then they've got arms on this roster that they can't do anything with them. They just are stuck George with Zimmerman. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So, I got something in my throat. Oh, Maybe I'm God, I remember how bummed I was when the Giants didn't get him. Dude, <laughs> I was psyched when they, uh, when the Tigers signed him. Yep. I, I, I was like, Hey, this is a guy who age. Well, he's got, you know, he's got that command and control. He'll be fine. Oh my goodness. It's been a nightmare, but yeah, um, we saw a great season overall from Boyd last year. I know 456 does not sound great. Um, he, he really struggled in the second half with the homers, but a 123 whip is still pretty solid. And then the, the 30% strikeout rate is what really drove his his abilities there. Uh, 1.9 homer per nine. I know he's had home run issues throughout his career, but that's got room to come down, right? 18% homer to fly ball rate's pretty yeah. exorbitant. Yeah, I, I mean, and all the projection systems have it coming down. I mean, not down to a good level, but down. Uh, and I, with... With the fact that he doesn't really walk a ton of guys, he can he can afford to give up some of those home runs. And I think we could be talking about a guy who should probably settle in at like a four ERA with a ton of strikeouts and but with you know obvious upside. And if he gets moved to a team uh, like let's say the Yankees really need to add a starter because their guys aren't healthy uh, or uh, you know maybe a better park than the Yankees uh, team. Ideally, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I think, but I mean, he's left-handed. So like he kind of helps neutralize that short porch a little bit. So, uh, I think he would be like a boon, you know, you could get those wins that have kind of been eluding him. I mean, he's never had double digit wins in a season. Yep. So last year and 18 for Matthew Boyd. And part of that just, I like Matthew Boyd a lot. 
I do too. And I think his price, he's not overpriced because he had that weak finish with the home runs, the market and, and being on the Tigers. I think those are two factors that keeping the market at bay with him and you can get those great strikeouts. And again, just pairing with the guy we just talked about. Kyle Hendricks, and th- mm-hmm. that's a good duo right there, and you're getting a lot of innings between the two. Buck 85 from uh, from Boyd last year, and a consistent 170 plus from uh, from Kyle Hendricks every year. So I think that that's a, a good place to end. There we got through 45. Again, we're probably going to end up doing four parts total. Um, looking to get Nick on later this week and and deep dive that real strong middle tier that's that's really where your bread and butter is where you're really mm-hmm. going to make or break things and find those breakouts so i think that's the perfect time to have him on but go take care of that baby good luck in tgfbi and you and i will talk in a couple days if i ever get to pick if you ever get to pick that's true that's true take care <laughs>